Hello, welcome to The Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. And today, we are finishing up the week. We are covering Minute 25, which goes from 24 to 24.59 on the clock. Uh, in this minute, we finish off the chat that's been going on between uh, our favorite three antagonists and uh, our hero. And uh, we then quickly cut back to some depositions. Uh, where we find out that the minutes we've just been watching, uh, all the way going back to Mark, I'm assuming when he met up with the Winklevoss twins, uh, I don't know that, um, you know, him being in his OS class was part of this uh, deposition, um, <laughs> but we now find out that this is all basically flashback to three or four years ago. And and we, we, we then do this thing, which will set up, you know, some of the stuff that happens next week, which is we quick cut between... Um, the two different depositions. We have the depositions with the the Winkle Vosses and Divya, and then we quickly cut to the one between Eduardo and uh, and Gretchen, who is the uh, you know the uh, the person who is asking the questions on behalf of Eduardo. Um, so we kind of we keep we keep jumping between those scenes for about kind of like you know thirty seconds, and we get a bit of Mark kind of. Um, you know, dodging <laughs> the answers. Uh, we'll be discussing more of that next week where we're kind of going backwards and forwards between the, these two depositions, which we've very kind of gradually set up, um, you know, throughout the film. Obviously setting up the Eduardo one with the kind of the scene from, um, you know, from Erica and then going into the Winklevosses spelling their own names for us, uh, which is probably one of my favorite introductions of the characters. Um, so we're there, we, you know, we, we, in our mind, we already know the difference between those two depositions. So we get just about, I don't know, 20 seconds of quickly cutting between them. But, you know, the meat of this scene is mostly kind of the ending of uh, the previous conversation. Um, and joining me to talk about today is Drew Brett. Hello, Drew. Hello there. You know, obviously we talked about Divya, you know, he's, he's, trying to sell Mark on the idea that he could rehabilitate his image yeah. uh, by doing this website, uh, which, yeah, I don't know how realistic that is. And obviously, you know, Mark responded with my favorite sarcastic line in the film, which is, wow, you do that for me. Now, I didn't mention it yesterday, but in the script, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin points it up and says, remembering what Eric's, uh, Erica yeah. said in. So he makes it clear to the reader uh, there's some stuff in this script there is clearly Aaron Sorkin, you know, putting it in there just for the reader, um, just to kind of emphasize. I mean, at this point, uh, you know, we are like 35 pages removed from when Erica said it. So it is kind of worth restating a little bit because we're, you know, we're quite far into the script and you might not have remembered that line. I mean, obviously, when you see uh, Rooney Mara deliver it, you remember the line. But, you know, just reading a script, I don't know that it would be that memorable. So it's it's kind of, you know, it's nice for Sorkin to kind of point it up. Uh, and then, you know, Divya, obviously, with his kind of, we would like to work with you. <laughs> Although I'm not 100% sold on that. And then Cameron, I've, I think, feeling the mood, decides to interrupt and kind of make it clear to Mark exactly why they need him. Absolutely. You know, saying that yeah. the, the, first pro the first programmer graduated and went to work at Google. The second programmer got overwhelmed with schoolwork. Um, you know, and then he starts to kind of get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, we would need you to build the site and write the code and we'll provide the money. But Mark is already like, I'm in. Cameron kind of has to stop and be like, what? And he's like, I'm in. And then this is where Tyler, I know, maybe his biggest regret in his life where he goes awesome to Mark Zuckerberg yeah. um, to finish the scene. Like, yes, he is, you know, they're happy that Mark is on board. Yeah, there was um, no way he was going to walk out of this meeting without being a part of whatever they were going to offer him. Mark knew exactly as soon as he walked in that bike room what he was going to 
do. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like... He as, was going to do anything they wanted him to do. There was never a question. I, I like as well how we have this kind of, you know, Mark obviously is the outsider in this room. And I like how hard, you know, uh, both of the Winklevoss twins and Divya have had to work to kind of sell this idea. Right. Um, and and it kind of does put the it, it I don't know it it makes it makes me feel a bit more sympathetic for for Mark Zuckerberg because it's like three people kind of in this bike room being like you know almost like look you know we're we are better than you we can bring you in um, which admittedly is kind of what Mark had said to uh, to Erica um, at the start of the film when he's like you know you don't need to study you go to BU like that kind of dismissiveness and kind of classism is something that is then kind of used on used on Mark where they're saying you know we're, we're inside this club you can join right. us if you wish if you are willing to do this thing for us yeah he's um, starting to feel what it's like on the receiving end of all that yeah and I like that's why he you know that's obviously why he qu- quotes the Erica line at them is you know, it, it, right. you know they'd have no idea that Erica said that but I just like that it, it then turns Mark into the Erica, you know, in this situation, he is the Erica. Um, and also, yeah. And it stay and that stays with him through this scene. That's what's kind of neat. is like, he, he progresses more and more into finally realizing which side of the conversation he's actually on. Yeah. Cause to start out with when they're buttering him up, it feels like, Oh, you know, they like Mark Zuckerberg, but then it's like, Oh no, no, we had two other programmers before you, you are our third yeah. choice. And you know, you just don't get overwhelmed with schoolwork and don't go work for Google. Like, you know, that's what they seem to be saying. Um, And I, you know, I like kind of how, I mean, obviously Mark interrupts him, but we get Cameron laying out um, something that, you know, obviously he's already described what Facebook is basically by talking about Harvard Connection. And then he's saying, you know, we'll need you to build the site and write the code. And so, you know, that's what that's what the whole lawsuit kind of, uh, you know, revolves around is who wrote the code. Mm. obviously later Mark gets to deliver the line if you'd have you know if you'd have written you know if you'd have invented Facebook you'd have invented Facebook and that is basically saying you know take and he also says take a look at the code on the site you know tell me yeah I didn't use a line of your code or something it's a shame we don't get like yeah the courtroom the court deposition kind of stuff we get is a little bit more introductory and where we kind of see him flaunting his lack of interest in things and he's kind of playing fast and loose with the language and he's like not really answering their questions it's pretty neat to see i like how we kind of bounce between um you know we have you know that's what you said so this is the same thing that happened with all the stuff with erica where we're kind of brought into the present and it's like oh that was all a flashback (laughs) like everything we seen was just a flashback and now we're in the present you know we're in this timeline where it's like this this is the actual this is this is what's going on and everything you've just seen was merely you know people reading something back in a in a deposition and yeah. I, I like how immediate like Mark is so evasive. It's really like, I don't know. It's it's really funny because it's like, you know, it was first of all that, you know, it was three or four years ago. We don't know why it said. Obviously, I can that I can easily believe like, do, you know, would you remember a conversation from like four years ago that you had with someone in a bike room? Probably not. Not every word, at least. <laughs> you might remember the idea of like them pitching you something. But you might he might remember it though. Let's like this is what he's been dreaming about for you know his entire career at the school. I feel like this is something he would definitely remember word for word exactly what happened. <laughs> I, do, I don't know that at any point we're ever told that Mark Zuckerberg has an eidetic no. memory. So if that no, if, absolutely. if that ever came out, then I guess yeah, he would remember it word for word. But in this particular case, I could understand him. You know, that's out of all the, out of all the kind of behavior in these these kind of intercuts. This is the one that I believe the most, which is he probably doesn't remember what he said. Like, 
you know, maybe he maybe he said, you know, yeah, that's or, interesting because like all of his other responses are are purposefully vague where he's like he questions the word affirmative as if to say, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, how do I be specific? It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. And he, sa- and he responds to another question with, I don't understand that question. Well, the question was, when did you come to Eduardo? I mean, it's like date and time. This isn't tough. So he's being evasive on purpose. So I feel like this his first line there it was three or four years ago. Probably fits in that same mold of... I he says I don't know what I said. It's like, dude, yes, you do. You know exactly what you said. He just doesn't want to say it, which is you know perfectly in character for him. And it, it changes the pace of the film. Like it instantly jumps up to a couple gears here. Yeah. Um. And I we have I love the editing as well. Like the the kind of yeah. There's we, 22 we, cuts in 38 <laughs> seconds. But when. When you look at the sc- the screenplay, there's only six in, in dire- directions of cut two, which means moving from one scene to another, like one room to another, where yeah. they jump from deposition room to deposition room. That only occurs six, five or six times, but there are 22 different camera edits in 38 seconds, which is an incredible pace to move things at. It's absolutely uh, ludicrous speed. Considering uh, talking about like <laughs> considering oh. that the previous, like the start of this minute is just some simple kind of like two shots and you know the occasional close-up uh yeah the kind of the 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 editing kind of really really kind of picks up a pace and we we kind of bounce between um you know gage is asking questions on behalf of the winklevosses and divya and gretchen is asking questions on behalf of, of eduardo and you know once we once we go from you know it was three or four years ago then we get you know uh, when did you come to Eduardo? And he's like, I don't understand that question. And it's like, do you remember? Do you remember answering in the affirmative? And he's like, the affirmative. The and then it's like, yeah. you know, when did you come to Eduardo with the idea for Facebook? And I, I like how, you know, this is it's really weird because obviously, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, not a lawyer, but he starts to do some like l- kind of little lawyerly ticks where he says it was called the Facebook then. So it's like, yeah, I never came to Eduardo with the idea for Facebook because it was called the Facebook. So. You know. Yeah, it's that art of misdirection and the feigned confusion. He's using that to really you know, cause some problems for these guys. You're going to have to ask the question again and say the Facebook to get an answer out of me. Um, and Yeah, he's trying to make sure they're playing by his rules. And it, it's like, oh, it's just not going to work for the whole time, man. Come on, it's not going to go well. And then, of course, it's like, you know, Gage insisting that this doesn't need to be difficult. And, uh, you know, the, the the guy who is playing uh, Gage is, you know, he's he's like kind of your typical like TV lawyer. He, like, he really fits the part. You know, when Mark is like, I'm currently in the middle of two different lawsuits like it's kind of making the you know it's it's letting the audience know that these are kind of concurrent um you know it's a nice little bit of exposition to say like you know one hasn't finished and the next one started he's literally you know he's spending his time going between these two different uh, lawsuits yeah it's very it's tough it's this particular set of dialogue really is another example of forcing the, the audience to keep up it makes them pay attention because if you if you start to trip over what's going on it's going to throw things off but they i think it's done expertly and really kind of it's able to bring the audience along with them while picking up the speed and pace and it kind of sets the expectation of if all right you guys we're going to get into it now so let's keep up <laughs> it's interesting as well that each like when we when we get gretchen the first like couple of times she says in fact all three times that we see her as it cuts back to her she always mentions eduardo so we always know who she's speaking you know or, or trying to get answers for and then, you know, when they when they come back to Gage after he said, you know, I'm in the t- middle of two different lawsuits, he said, did you ever answer affirmatively when Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss and Divya yeah. Narendra asked you to build the Harvard connection? Did you say yes? And so he again, 
it's like a simple thing, but the fact, like, obviously he, you know, he, because Mark has been like, I'm in two different lawsuits. It's almost like he's saying, well, look, here's the one with these three guys. You know, what did you say to yeah. these three guys? Um, and then, of course, that's when Mark kind of half-heartedly says, I said I'd help. <laughs> and I kind of love how that's not really like, it's not really helping that's the case. That's not what happened. Yeah. So, I, yeah, he, he was like, I'm in. You know, like, we saw the enthusiasm. So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, and then, of course, Gretchen says, when did you approach Mr. Saverin with the idea for the Facebook? So she's now she's kind of going as about as loyally as she can of like restating it and being like, look, I said the Facebook for you. I'm now calling him Mr. Saverin. So we're, we're making it a bit more official. And then, of course, this is where Mark goes, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I approached him. And then this is where, you know, Gretchen calls on Mark's lawyer and just says sigh. And then, you know, we finish the minute with sigh yeah, saying, bang, that's the end of the minute. You yeah. can answer the question. You know, like that's crazy. And I'm not it's unbelievable. There's a there's a great shot in here. Like one of the quick shots is actually a shot of the stenographer who's trying to take notes for all of these things. <laughs> and while she's doing a perfectly reasonable, you know, she's doing a good job. Obviously, she doesn't look frustrated. But can you imagine how challenging it would be to try and keep up with Aaron Sorkin dialogue and try and dictate that as it goes by you at 100 miles an hour? She's got to have the hardest job in that entire room. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, on uh, YouTube, there is a lawyer who um, who does YouTube videos and he goes through social uh, social. He goes through, um, you know, media and talks about how accurate the, you know, the lawyer part of what's on film is. And he actually did a video on Facebook. Okay. And uh, it's worth seeking oh. out because he says this is probably the most accurate depiction of depositions he's ever seen in his life. Uh, obviously, because most oh, of it was yeah, taken absolutely. verbatim from actual depositions, but he says the way it's staged, and he actually brought up the stenographer and said, you know, like having the stenographer like constantly typing and ne like she never mm -hmm. stops typing. Oh yeah, he says that is accurate. You know, like most stenographers, he says most stenographers don't have their you know uh, stenograph on the table. Like she's she's obviously sitting in a way that looks good on camera. He says most of them right. have it like, you know, below table level and they just kind of keep typing and you don't really get to see them doing it. Like it's just something that's kind of happening. And so he said that's the only kind of real inaccuracy in these scenes is the fact that the stenographers are so kind of prominent. But he says, obviously, for the point of the film, you know, that's what they, they have to be there. So it kind of it really sets kind of the mood of what's going on. And you see that, you know, that's that is what happens. Uh, but he said, yeah, he said the accuracy on everything that's in this film is kind of insane because because it is like and he says the evasiveness is something that a lot of clients do like they're coached to do that. Like when anyone when anyone asks you a question and he, he says that I think he even brought attention to like the whole the affirmative. It's like you have like as a as a like witness you're or, you know, particularly if you're if you're being deposed and you're the one being sued. It's like you have to basically question every single word that comes out of Absolutely. the lawyer's mouths just to make sure that later on nobody can go oh well you admitted that you did this or you like so he's just trying to admit nothing right. but he's doing it by just asking questions and asking for stuff to be restated but with a different so the fact that he forces her to change facebook to the facebook in the question that's a deliberate tactic to kind of make it kind of so that when she does ask about the facebook it's about a very specific thing and they can't get you know kind of then peg something else on him that's not about just the Facebook. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's so... Right, you're trying to be that hyper-specific, so that way you kind of you kind of make them play on your on your terms and, and they don't get any information out of you that you don't want them to have. Yeah. It's it's a it's a very difficult thing to go back and forth, and uh, and it's exhausting. Yeah, and, it's, and the thing <laughs> is as well, like, obviously, we've stopped just short of, you know, the kind of punchline. I'll get into it next week. I love the song 
um, uh, Dreadlock Holiday. Probably a great, such a great song, mostly because of I love the setup of, you know, I don't like cricket, I love it. Um, you know, something, <laughs> you pick any subject and just say to someone, I don't like it, you know, I love it. And it and it just always works. Um, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're kind of stopping before we get to the kind of punchline of this scene, which is the transition into the, the A.E. Pie Caribbean night. Um but what I what I like is, you know, we're going between these two scenes and never at any point are you ever lost. Like, admittedly, both of them, you know, the looks of one one room and, and the other room is very different. But it, like you say, there's so many cuts, it would be easy to kind of get lost in exactly who's asking what question. Right. But everything in the in the dialogue is done to deliberately kind of handhold you. So, you know, the fact that Gretchen is always saying Eduardo mm-hmm. or Mr. Saverin, the fact that Gage is, con- you know, it has to restate his own client's names to make it clear where we are. And it's such a quick, quick kind of yep. like a little bit yep. of just like, you know, this up until this point, you know, Mark has been lulled into kind of like a full sense of security by, you know, the visit to the bike room. And then we get, you know, to the the point of this, you know, like this isn't about people kind of talking about how they're going to make a great website or anything. This is about people suing each other over, you know, ideas that have been kind of taken. And this this kind of this quick cut between these two depositions kind of puts you in the space of like, oh, they're happen. First of all, they're happening at the same time, something that up until this point we weren't really clear on. But also, you know, the kind of we go from, um, you know, the the pitch of, you know, Harvard Connection to then go into Eduardo, to then go into A.E. Pie, which obviously I'll discuss, you know, more at length next week. But that little kind of chain of, you know, the Winklevoss pitched him their idea, you know, he then went and said to Eduardo Saverin, I've come up with this idea. You know, in, in, in your mind when you're watching the film, you can't help but be like, well, he must have stolen the idea. Like, but, you know, we what we understand is, you know, a lot of this is kind of flashback to stuff that happened years before. And so... You know, maybe the events aren't quite as clear as, you know, they're being portrayed in this film. Uh, but I do, I do. I don't know. I just love the editing. You know, obviously the kind of the I think it's Angus Wall and Kirk Baxter who are the editors, you know, they're, they're I mean, everything they do, they do with Fincher. And, you know, one of them worked with Fincher, I think, up until this film. And then the other one has done Fincher's film since then. Ah, um, OK. So there's a little bit of established relationship between the, the two roles there. Yes. So, you know, that and I, I, and, I knew that before. And I, I, I like the, the the visuals too change dramatically from like the dark, cloudy, gray interior of the bike room to the even the two deposition rooms are lit slightly differently, so you can kind of look at different shots and understand which ones they are once you learn how to associate one with the particular suit. You have the one where where Eduardo is in is a lot brighter, whereas the one that the Winklevoss twins are in is a lot stuffier. The the walls are, are darker colors and the, the tables are, are different a little bit as opposed to, the, again, the one with Eduardo, the walls are glass and you can kind of see through them and you you get a, it's a little bit more open and, and whatnot. So they've established not only with the words that they're saying and how to pay attention to who's in what room, but also they put the cameras in such a way and the rooms are designed in such a way that you can look at each one and pick it out. So they do a really good job of giving you all the tools you need in order to make sure that you're tracking along with where they're going because again like we said these guys are going to take off 100 miles an hour and they're never going to slow down and that's really these are some of the best parts i think of the movie yeah is when we get these kinds of fast uh things are moving emotions start to fly it's pretty calm here it's 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 done in a little bit of a comical establishment where like you had said mark it's just kind of like 
What do you mean when you say the affirmative? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, when you say no, the, what are you it. talking about exactly yeah. when you say the? It depends about what your, word, your definition of the word is, is. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff is really kind of <laughs> clever. It's a really good way to establish it and make what it also does. It makes these scenes friendly. Like, he's having. You, he's clearly having a good time. Mark Mark's character is having a great time doing these kinds of things, yeah. and it makes the audience respond the same way, as opposed to it being uh, angry or bitter confrontations. He's having a good time, so therefore he's letting us know that we can have a good time while we're watching them. What he what also happens as well is obviously you know uh, you know the deposition room where you have uh, the twins and Divya. It, you know, you can smell the mahogany, basically. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, exactly. It smells like old lawyer room. Well, this is it. And it also says old money. Like, I don't yes. know. I don't know how the Winklevoss made their... You know, I don't know how that family made their money. But I'm going to I'm gonna guess, uh, had there been a particular scandal about admissions a number of years ago, we can kind of guess who paid their way and who actually got <laughs> in. And it's kind of setting you up to be like, well, you know, in like... Looking at it through kind of today's eyes, you would think, I don't know, is 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 Divya, you know, if I take a look at his application, are there some like, you know, Photoshop pictures of him in, you know, polo teams or something? What's going on there with, you know, how did <laughs> he, he get in? He doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of that gang, does he? Yeah. But you're, you're right. The, the establishment there kind of matches because the same is true of the other lawsuit where the one Eduardo's in, who's kind of the tech, you know, he made his money with the oil thing that was established earlier on. Um it's, it's much more high-tech. It's much more modern of an office. It's also casts Eduardo in a better light because that room is more light and airy and it makes you feel like Eduardo is, you know, a self-made man who has been ripped off by this kind of arrogant guy. And, you know, like, whereas maybe you don't feel that much sympathy for the twins and Divya, uh, even though in the way the film presents it, it seems like their idea was ripped off wholesale. <laughs> um yeah. Whereas when it comes to Eduardo, you know, his only risk was a bit of money. Like, and he, as we established in the opening scene, he had tons of money, like a couple of thousand, a couple of thousand dollars that he gave to Mark for some servers was nothing to him. So it's not like his family went bankrupt over it. Like, you know, he, he put in a percentage of money and then, you know, right. This didn't really hurt him. Yeah. So I, but it's interesting because when you see that, that really kind of like, you know, that glass office, you're like, oh, well, this is, you know, Eduardo's clearly picked like more friendly lawyers, although they're in a, they're in a nicer office. It seems, it seems more kind of like new money, whereas, you know, the mahogany makes everything look a lot more old money. And I think Mm -hmm. the film, just from those visual cues, is kind of setting you up to be like, you know, don't feel so sympathetic towards this, you know, super handsome athletic people. Maybe feel a bit more sympathetic towards, you know, the kind of the guy with the big hair who seems a little bit more winsome and emo. <laughs> like it, even even just from the set design, they're kind of giving you little cues to be like. And also the fact that, you know, you've got this kind of old lawyer who's questioning on behalf of the twins. And then you've got this young woman who's questioning on behalf of Eduardo. And so it's like, you know, Eduardo went out and found himself like, you know, he he didn't look for this like old white guy. He's got this young lady who's working. So it, it makes him look even more sympathetic because, you know, he's like his choice of lawyer, even like everything about Eduardo seems a bit more kind of like, um, you know, kind of more open and honest. And whereas with the Winklevoss, it's like, well, you know, they've got everything. What did they? What did they need a website for? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. they already they already had money. They like they already had everything established for them. They were already in the club. 
whereas Eduardo was the one who was, you know, kind of fighting to get on the inside and had to kind of make his own money. And so even just with the set design between these two different depositions, you can kind of feel more sympathy towards, like, what's going on with Eduardo than with the twins. Um, although I would argue yeah. out, of the, out, of the, out of the two depositions, the Winklevoss one is the one where you should really be more sympathetic because that seems more like, you know, straight up. Seems a little bit more clear robbery. cut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whereas with Eduardo, it's a bit more kind of nebulous as to exactly, you know, exactly what's going on. Yeah, you'll have to cover that when you get to that point, but his side is a lot more emotional than it is actual legal. And I also like as well, I mean, I don't know if we see it in this shot, but when we're in the glass office, there are a lot of times where people are just walking by outside. <laughs> And it's it's like, you know, it's obviously something that people do on set anyway with like extras and stuff. But I think it's just that thing of like when you're inside the mahogany room, it seems very kind of claustrophobic and deliberately yep. designed to kind of, you know, put Mark off. Whereas the other office, it seems a bit more inviting because, you know, people are people are just walking by and, you know, like people. Are, it seems a bit more friendly. And uh, I kind of like how they've worked that into the kind of set design, like very certainly of like. You know, these two offices are kind of very different and the depositions are very different and everything they're doing everything basically to kind of give you little markers to kind of keep you so you know where you are, um, you know, and the timeline on this story is it's it's not super complicated, but you're you're dealing with three different timelines and a lot of the time you find out the one timeline is just flashbacks so you're you know constantly you're like oh this is the film and then you kind of you're like oh no no this is the film this and then you're like oh whether this is a, this is a film a different deposition is the, so it's it's always the shift in perspective and i think uh sorkin does a good job of kind of setting up the different kind of timelines and making it easy for the viewer to kind of understand and i think this sequence is one of those things where david fincher also kind of you know and, and his editors use this kind of ability to be like look you know we've we've spent kind of 24 minutes setting up each of the individual elements so let's just let's just bounce between them and just see if you can follow and uh Absolutely. you know and if you can't don't worry because in about 10 seconds they're going to slow it right back down yeah <laughs> and then, they'll train and, you to do it over the length of the of the, co- of the course of the film yeah really so they they do this they do this i think maybe there's one more time where they kind of do a couple of quick cuts between the two depositions when we see eduardo in the winklevoss deposition they do the same thing where they they cut back and forth um so you know but i don't know i i feel like you know the the editing in this film is so good i mean as with pretty much every david fincher film i don't you know again aside from alien three you know i think one of the things that that fincher really understands is you know not just like kind of how to set shots up you know when we were in the bike room like you say it you know it's cold and gray but also you know the eye lines between where people are you really immediately you know you know where the twins are standing you know where divya is you know how close they are to mark you know where mark is you know, in the room relative to them like everything is is so well set up and that's just something i think this film you know does so well is just you know just kind of uh, everything is always very well put together so you know exactly where characters are uh, just within the physical spaces which is you know not always easy for some people to achieve as uh, I don't know. I don't want to name any films that have terrible editing, but I'm, I'm sure people off the top of their heads can think of films where they have no idea where stuff is. You know, they can see a scene and be like, yeah, I have no idea where really these people are. Well structured. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that is kind of effortless with a lot of David Fincher films. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of a bit of a transitional minute, but that editing is just, I mean, it's such a great thing. And it's just one of those things where it kind of comes out of nowhere almost, where like you're kind of settling into this idea of the Winklevoss is kind of selling you know mark on this idea and then all of a sudden we're we're back in the depositions and we just jump in between them and then it kind of slows back down in, in like a minute's time and then, and then you kind of 
Uh, I don't know. You get yeah. into one of my favorite stretches. Next week, it's it's real fun. I you know, um, there's in particular there's a move that Andrew Garfield does, which you know I couldn't find it as a GIF on the internet, unfortunately. But it's <laughs> it's so it's so great. You'll have to figure out how to make it your own then. Yeah, whenever whenever I see the film, it's just one of those things where like it gets to that part and it doesn't matter what like normally you know if i watch this film i might just have it on the background or whatever but it gets to that point and i just have to watch andrew garfield do that little move that he does um when you know when when dreadlock holiday's playing <laughs> he just oh, and yeah and it's such a it's such a great kind epic. of little yeah so uh, but yeah, right now, yeah you know we'll talk about that next week so uh i feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about this minute and uh yeah. you know and these minutes as a whole uh, unless there's anything else you feel like we've got to bring up? No, I've gone through my notes pretty pretty uh, successfully here. Great. Wonderful. Well, uh, thanks very much for being my guest this week, Drew, and covering these particular five minutes. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, sir. And uh, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? Yeah, one last time. We'll talk about uh, Clashing Sabres is our Star Wars uh, podcast network. You can find us at clashingsabers.net, where we like to uh, discuss all the developments, the films, the books, comics, whatever comes up and as we get ready for the release of episode 9 so check us out over there and you can find us on myspace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on twitter at social underscore minute or on facebook at the social minute podcast uh, thanks for being my guest today Drew and otherwise I will see you all next week <laughs>